Welcome to our house with one of Australia's leading auctioneers, Rod Amos, and buyer's agent, Matt Sharp. And now for your dose of information and observation about real estate across the nation. Let's go live to your host, the voice of the National Rugby League, Steve Allen. Episode 43 of Our House, and Matt Sharp is alongside me from Sharp Property Buyers, and Rod, he's still on barley time, is that correct? Yeah, good morning, steve Yeah, I think Rod's still out there surfing in Lombok somewhere, how lucky. Yeah, he had a milestone birthday over there, I think he's 63. Yeah, outstanding. <laughs> I've seen some footage as well, it looked like he got some great waves. Yeah, absolutely, uh, just perfect lines, and you know, really recharge the batteries, mm. which we all need. Mm, yeah, for sure, and one thing you mentioned to me was not only were the waves great, but Apparently where he was, there were a lot of young families, so he reckons it was really family friendly. So I've just started leaving the brochures out for Bali on the kitchen bench and <laughs> leaving some hints around the house for Jackie, uh, you know, to make that as a, as a desirable option for us. Yeah, I like it. Uh, not too much preamble this morning because Michael Yardney is our feature guest and can't wait for this this morning. So one of Australia's leading property commentators or the leading commentator. Yeah, he's outstanding. His insights are fantastic. And what Michael does really well is he makes the complex simple. So we've got a couple of questions I'm keen to hear his thoughts on. So yeah, excited to have him on. Hey, by the way, the podcast as always brought to you by Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions. Now we're hoping to get the big kahuna on. So Mark McNulty, the New South Wales master franchisee. Look, Sharpie, I love a good business story. And Mark McNulty He actually used to be my boss at the radio station many moons ago, a couple of decades ago. But what he's done with Smith & Sons, it's a great success story. And he's the master franchisee, but now it's expanded right through New South Wales. So I'd really love to hear that story. So hopefully we get him in a fortnight. But I've got this message from Smith & Sons. So if you're looking to get something done before Christmas, maybe it's a renovation like a bathroom, a laundry, a kitchen. How about you book it in? The Smith & Sons team will take care of all of that for you. Start the planning and maybe you can have it done early in the new year. Mm, yeah, it's great. I mean, um, especially now, like you're rounding out the year. I'm sure there's things at home that you've thought, oh, I want to get that done. And then you blink and the year's gone. Yeah, I'd be looking at the outdoor areas too because, you know, we're coming into summer. Mm, yeah, 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 for sure. New decks or extensions. Who knows? Yeah. Giddy up. Hey, uh, just before we get to Michael Yardney, Rod did send through the auction numbers, and this is like a real advertisement for auction, Sharpie. I'd like to get your opinion in a couple of minutes. So he says, with days on market soaring, auction clearance rates back to pre-COVID levels, auction might be the way to go. Now, he's given us some numbers to back this up. You know he loves auctions. He's one of the world's best auctioneers. Last Saturday in Sydney, 30% of those properties originally listed as auctions had sold prior to auction. So they sold in that four to five week window and Rod says it makes two to six months private treaty look like a poor comparison. Yeah, and look, I think it's a clever strategy that a lot of sales agents are using. And now, one of the keys for an auction campaign is it puts a line in the sand, okay? It puts a time in which you need to get your things in order to purchase the property and it creates a little bit of urgency. So whether or not you're going to buy that property prior to auction or on auction day, there's a clear date there. There's a clear indicator in terms of when the property is going to be available to actually sell. And I think it actually means that more people get their ducks aligned and and, and get active to 
to go and buy it. When it's private treaty, there's not a lot of urgency there. They can, you know, buyers can tend to sort of poke around, look at it, and if it isn't the right property, it can lose a little bit of momentum, and then all of a sudden it can just, you know, go really stale really, really quickly. Now, a lot of people at the moment that are that are in the market looking, we've become accustomed to, you know, last year's market where most properties were gone after the first open home. So now when people are seeing properties sit on the market for two and three weeks or even four weeks, especially private treaty, they're starting to think, oh, what's wrong with it? Whereas four weeks isn't a long time for the property to be on the market, right? It's only 28, 30 days in terms of days on market. So I think it's a clever strategy for the agents to be using an auction campaign and I guess it creates a bit of scarcity with the property and urgency to purchase. Let me ask one more quick question. So when you're there and you're acting on behalf of your clients, do you feel like if it's passed in, you're armed with so much more information? Yes, definitely, because it, it says to me that uh, obviously the price isn't aligned with what the market feels like the property is, but also there may not be a, a lot of interest there either. But what the experienced sales agents are doing, they're speaking to their vendor leading up to auction and they're making sure that that property you know, is realistically going to sell in terms of reserve price and, and sell on the day. All right, let's get cracking. We've got to get to Michael Yardney. Joining us now live from Melbourne. Well, I'm assuming live from Melbourne. We'll find out in a few moments. Michael Yardney, the the main man with Metropole Property Strategist, but also propertyupdate.com.au. I think one of the 50 most influential individuals in the country. I'd love to have that, uh, Monica Sharpie, no doubt about that. Let's go to Michael Yardney. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Steve. Hi, Sharpie. Yes, somebody voted me. It was something and I was voted one of the more influential people in Australia. Uh, it would make my mother very proud. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, uh, we've got a plethora of questions to bombard you sure. with. Let, let's start with Matt. And is this one from yourself or is it from Rod Amos? Uh, no, this one's from me. We've got a couple from Rod as well. Thanks again for joining us, Michael. Very excited to be chatting with you and congrats on being one of the most influential people in the country well, as well. Home. What it what doesn't f- work that way at home. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I want to dive straight into it. Obviously, it's been an incredible year this year in terms of the property market and a lot of noise and, and some events in terms of increasing interest rates and whatnot. But what was really interesting is most experts predicted, you know, the RBA were going to announce another, you know, 0.5 increase in terms of basis points, but they only actually increased 0.25. What do you think the thoughts are around that from the RBA? Well, I don't think it's uh, the beginning of the end of interest rate rises, but maybe I could put it differently at the end of the beginning. If we go back Interest rates were around these levels a couple of years ago, and then we fell into a pandemic and people were worried we were going to have a recession and unemployment was going to get to 11%. So the Reserve Bank stimulated the economy, just like the government gave us various grants and supports to get through the unknowns of the pandemic and the cocoon many of us in. And so low interest rates, wartime interest rates almost, giving away money uh, happened and that stimulated the economy, but it's one of the things that led to inflation. And now we're trying to control inflation. So the Reserve Bank gave us a shock and awe package of multiple double interest rate rises to bring us back to what they currently believe is really only neutral. In other words, not stimulating the economy anymore, but not high enough to slow us down. 
And that's actually true because people are still spending, maybe not as much on big ticket items like real estate. And sure, consumer confidence is down, but all the banks are telling us that retail spending, we're spending on ourselves is still very strong as we're using up our savings. So the Reserve Bank is telling us, hey, we're getting close to neutral. We don't have to hit it as hard anymore. It's still going to put one foot on the brake, but maybe not double foots. In other words, we're going to have a couple more rises but not as much. Michael, we're not alone because one of my favourite podcasts is The Daily with the New York Times and they face the same issues in the US, is that correct? Well, they face different issues, worse issues. So yes, inflation is a big issue around the world, but what's happening overseas is there's also wage inflation. So there's a spiral of people expecting inflation to asking for more wages, which pushes up uh, business costs and retailers' costs, so they've got to put up their wages, and that creates a spiral. In Australia, that hasn't happened yet. In fact, we know wages are falling behind, so we are, are not as troubled by this as other countries like the United Kingdom, the United States, and in fact, much of Europe are. And what's a positive story for Australia in terms of the economy is how low our job vacancy rates are, right? Yes. Um, the, the unemployment rates in the US, for example, are, are increasing and it's becoming a large, large concern and there's a big divide there. Whereas here, where our unemployment rates are decreasing, which is a good story, right? Well, yes, it is. But if you think about it, one of the concerns overseas is also is all this, the high interest rates, slowing the economy down going to lead to a recession? And that's the concern overseas. But a recession on its own, in other words, two quarters of negatives going back in GDP growth, is only an issue if you haven't got a job. People forget, we actually had a technical recession during the COVID pandemic. There was one negative quarter quite big, and there was another tiny, tiny one. So technically, we had a recession, and no one even felt it two years ago. So overseas, though, if you are, the economy is not doing well and you haven't got a job, boy, that's a concern. Mm. Not here. Yeah, agreed. Mate, I agree. How influential do you think those bigger economies are in terms of, uh, you know, and how do they compare to what happens here in Australia? Well, in the past, they used to say uh, when America sneezed, you know, we, we, we got a cold with the flu. <laughs> but the answer is the Reserve Bank's not as concerned about it anymore. What's happening because interest rates in America are high and it's sucking up world interest rates and money is that the Australian dollar is falling. I'm old enough and Steve may be old enough to remember when, when, when the Australian dollar, you could buy the US dollar for an Australian dollar. Now it's sort of 60 cents. And I'm planning to go overseas in a couple of weeks' time. So for a tourist, it's not very good. But in fact, for our exporters, the fact that our dollar is, uh, uh, isn't so high and most of the things are in American dollars, you know, or iron ore and gas and all those things, it actually doesn't hurt our economy. It actually helps our economy with the weaker Australian dollar. It's not good for things that we import. But having said that, um, the government has decided we're going to, or the Reserve Bank's decided, we're just going to take care of ourselves. And I don't think they're worried too much about what's happening overseas. Yeah, Michael, our son went to college in America and the Aussie dollar at the time was at 63 cents US. And I think maybe a few years prior, the Aussie dollar was like a dollar and one or a dollar and two. Hey, can I yeah. just ask you, I woke up this morning and I saw numerous podcasts have come out and they're all saying... Will we drop 20%? Have we seen the last of this? So 
What's your predictions? Will the Australian property market drop? It has in some areas, but there isn't an Australian property market. And all those people who predicted it was going to drop 10, 15% this year and some 20 and 30%, the latest CoreLogic figures show that it's actually dropped, I think, something like 2.5% overall. Regional Australia has held up better than capital cities. But the theory behind this, Steve, is that uh, if you could borrow a million dollars last year, your borrowing capacity has dropped by 20% or more because of rising interest rates. And that's true. But if you're a seller, if I'm a seller and you still can't pay me the million dollars I want for my house anymore, I'm not going to drop the value of my house to match your budget. It just means you may have to move to a different suburb or buy an apartment or a townhouse. So I'm going to have to not have an unrealistic price like I got a year or two ago, but I'm not going to have to sell because I'm not desperate. There's no desperate mortgages sales at the moment. So who's going to buy my property? Somebody who maybe last year could pay 1.2, 1.3, and they can't afford that now. So it's the sort of reverse ripple effect that I'm still going to be able to sell my home as long as it's priced sensibly, but I'm not going to have to drop my price 20%. Mm. I still see further falls until the world realises that, hey, inflation's under control now. And that's probably going to happen early next year. And until they realise, well, okay, we've had all these interest rate rises, it's going to now get, uh, this as bad as it gets. In fact, at Metropole, we've had more inquiries over the last couple of weeks than we have for a few months, because I think people, and the sense is that people are thinking, okay, I can see an end in sight. They've now taken into account that yes, there's going to be another interest rate rise or two. Yes, inflation is going to go a bit further, but they just got to get on with their lives. So I think the market is going to turn middle of next year, probably even first quarter of next year. Gee, what an answer. Yeah, there's some gold in there. Um, <laughs> outstanding, Michael. So a couple of things you mentioned, I'm just going to touch on and reiterate. So you mentioned the Australian property market isn't singular. It's not on its own. There are markets within markets. An example yeah. would be the northern beaches of Sydney. Um, I think it's been hit probably the hardest in terms of a median drop yep. in price, yeah. um, percentage base. Um Anyway, but there are other markets, certainly um, across parts of Australia in regional areas where we're buying in and, you know, prices are still going 10% above the guide and what they're expecting, what agents are expecting with multiple offers. So they're still flying along. That's critical. The other one was you mentioned potentially the end being near in terms of interest rate rises and people's sentiment and feeling more comfortable right now. I would agree with you in terms of the level of interest, very similar to our business as well. We've had a lot of inquiry in sort of the last week and a half, and I feel as though that's on the back of that recent rate rise of just 0.25, where people are now thinking, okay, we're back to about 5%. The commentary in the media is, you know, we're nearly at neutral looks as though the, the the end is near and the worst is behind us. So, you know, let's dust ourselves off and let's see what we can do. So, um, yep. yeah, mate, some, some fantastic points there. Yeah, the upper end of the market has always been the more volatile one. So the high in Sydney markets and even the Central Coast, more expensive suburbs, led the charge. But at this time, that's the market that has fallen a bit more as well but not because people are giving away their properties. In fact, there's actually less turnover in those high-end markets at this stage of the cycle. Michael, I know we're running short on time, but I saw on LinkedIn yesterday 
And I really love this. And if people get the chance, they might want to check out this article. The Eight Best Property Investment Strategies in Australia by Michael Yardney. Now, I love your opening line. You said, just buying an investment is not a strategy. We might not have time to unpack all of this, but can you elaborate a little on the article? So the concept is buying a property is not a strategy. And because there's about 2.1 million property investors in Australia, the tax department every year gives us a breakdown of how many properties they own. And the statistics show that 50% of people who buy an investment property sell up in the first five years. They've got their finance wrong, they've bought the wrong property, they've made a mistake. And of those who stay in the market, Steve, only 92% never get past their second investment property. So if you do what everyone else does, in fact, you're going to get the same results. You're never going to get more than one or two properties, which isn't going to give you the financial freedom most property investors want. So in my mind, property investment is a process, not an event. And the property you eventually buy should be the physical manifestation of a whole lot of decisions you've made in advance. Which, what's your end game? What are you wanting to achieve? What, what's your investment strategy? Capital growth, cash flow, uh, renovate. Uh, which ownership structure should you have? What finance strategy should you have? So the concept really was just going off and buying a property isn't an investment strategy. Right. Again, some gold there, and I encourage anyone to jump on there and have a look at that article. It goes into some great detail. You know, we liken it a little bit to building a home. You know, you need to have a bit of a plan in place, you need to have a strategy, and you need to start to implement that as opposed to just, you know, walking out and seeing a for sale sign and and saying, yeah, I'll buy it, and there's my strategy in place in terms of an investment. And Matt, you'd love, so number one, accumulation phase. Now, that can take 10 to 15 years. Consolidation phase involves slowly reducing the debt. So this is all from Michael's article. And then three, the lifestyle phase. That's utopia, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. And I love uh, also, Michael, how you mentioned that, you know, this is a long-term play with property investing. You you mentioned that most property investors sell their investment property within the first five years. I see that as a major mistake. A couple of reasons why uh, the acquisition costs are quite expensive when you're buying property and it takes you a little while. The other obvious one is within the five-year period, you know, typically you won't get to experience what we would normally refer to as a, a normal market cycle, excluding the last sort of two years, of course. So um, that's, you know, it's very interesting that you mentioned that 10 to 15 year period. Consolidation phase, obviously you need to pay down your debt at some period to then take advantage of, of the lifestyle phase, which is one that we're all working towards, right, steve Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, a, it's a journey and, and you can't cut it short and things have to be done in the right order. Uh, taking shortcuts won't work. And I think one of the other important things is to get a team around you. Uh, you can't imagine that you can do it on your own as well as having a good buyer's agent like you or our team at Metropole. Pe- people who are in the market all day, every day uh, to help you. And you need good tax advisors and good uh, finance strategists as well. But it all has to start with a plan. And so it's worth investing in your future because you're going to be living there a long time. I'm not sure if you know, but uh, Matt's got his own podcast these days, and I I play a little cameo role, but it's called The Dining Room Table. And he he spoke about that about four episodes ago, about getting a dream team around you to make this happen. Yeah, I think it's so important, you know, having the the professionals to assist you along the way, absolutely critical. So, um, yeah, I'll have to send you the link, Michael. I'm sure you'll get some... Oh, I'd love to hear it. I'm sure you'll get some great insights. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on your own, you can probably run faster, but with a good team, you can run further. 
and so that's one of the, um, I think, secrets behind my success of getting people around me and also having mentors and coaches in my business, but also in property. There's things that my, my team know that I don't know because they're on the ground every day. Yeah, Michael, when we talk to you, it's like talking to Yoda from uh, Star Wars. We've taken up enough of your precious time. Uh, thank you so much. Propertyupdate.com.au. Metropole Property Strategist is where you'll find all the info. And if you get the chance, check out the eight best property investment strategies in Australia. Fantastic read. It's on LinkedIn by Michael Yardney. Thanks again for your time. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Michael Yardney joining us from Metropole Property Strategists and also mypropertyupdate.com.au. Just absolutely brilliant this morning. He was on fire. Yeah, one of the best in the business. And like I said at the start, just makes the complex seem so simple. I love his long-term view on the property market and uh, you know some of his insights. And if, if you do get a chance, check out his article that he wrote. It's incredible. And it's, you know, it, it's spoken from one of the best in the business. Okay. Uh, what caught my eye, I, I did notice suburbs with the biggest rent rises. So this was in the Telegraph last weekend, but they've all gone up 28% plus. The biggest increase, 46.2% rental increase in Church Point, followed by McMahon's Point, Wheeler Heights. The Central Coast suburbs that make it at number five, Tuggerawong, $565 is the median rent. Now that's up 37.8%. Another Central Coast suburb makes it as well, Blue Bay, it says the median rate is 650, up 35.4%. Yeah, and look, that's just on the back of tightening vacancy rates, so less rentals available for people. And um, look, I mean, that's a kind of a good news story if you're a landlord because obviously your rents have increased substantially over the last 12 months, which would hopefully offset the increase in rate rises. With units, uh, a central coast suburb has made it as well. At number eight is Wyoming, so median rent is 440 that's up 18.6%, $69 per week over the year. Yeah, stay away from units. If you're going to buy units, buy the whole unit block. That's my tip. Yeah. Uh, what caught your eye? Mate, it's interesting. Probably over the last sort of eight to 12 weeks, our team's actually been tracking the amount of off-markets that we're receiving from, from sales agents out there to see whether or not those properties are going to be suitable for our clients. Most of the time, we sort of see around 18 to 20 off markets each week, okay? Last week, there were 34. Our phones were literally running hot. So that's 34 off market properties, you know, that most people don't see. And that isn't emailed on a database or anything like that. That's literally an agent picking up the phone and calling someone from our team directly to mention that they have a property available. So find that super interesting. We are tracking it this week and um, I'll understand a little bit more whether or not that was that's becoming a trend in terms of seeing more off markets or whether or not it was just a bit of a blimp in, in you know, over the last couple of weeks. So we'll see. So what insight can you provide? Look, I think there's a couple of things at play here. I think the first one is listings are still very, very low. So agents are working incredibly hard to try and sell properties. Now, that means that more than likely the vendors or the owners aren't quite ready to sell, or maybe they've said, look, if you get me a certain price, then I would consider it. And then obviously they call us straight away. But the other one is potentially is agents conditioning their buyers on the value of their property. So what would happen is typically an agent will go out to a home, they'll appraise the property and say it's worth a certain price. So let's just say, for example, the property's worth a million dollars. However, the owner might want 1.2 because they saw what was happening six months or 12 months ago. Now, we're in a slightly different market than what we were this time last year. But what agents will typically do is they'll get 
other professionals or buyers from within the marketplace to come and look at the property and get feedback on price. So maybe the agents are reaching out to us to get our professional opinion on where we see the price in comparison to what else is out there right now. Hey, Sharpie, can I just say a massive thank you before we wrap up? I've, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, just looking at the Our House data, the amount of people that are checking out the podcast, that are starting to follow us on Facebook, also your own podcast, The Dining Room Table. I've got to say, though, this morning, something feels a little off kilter. Did you ever see this Three Stooges? No. <laughs> I'm a bit young for the Three Stooges. Uh, did you ever see Charlie's Angels? Yes, Charlie's Angels, yes. Well, it feels like we're missing something. Yeah, Without Rod Amos here, he's like the third Charlie's Angel. Yeah, it's very sad <laughs> him not being here, but he's out. He's overseas, I think, in Bali just getting barreled, so he's living the dream. We're like Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, but we haven't got Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably better than Charlie's Angels. Yeah, yeah. So just so we're clear, Dennis Rodman isn't here, okay? So <laughs> Steve's MJ. I'm MJ. Yeah, how good. Uh, by the way, the podcast brought to you by Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions. Boy, I hope we get the big kahuna in a couple of weeks. Mark McNulty, we thank them for their ongoing support. We've had so many great guests from Smith & Sons throughout the year. And just a reminder, if you've got anything you want to do at your place, so you want to spruce it up, maybe it's not a huge renovation, but it's something that you've been meaning to do for some time, give the expert team right around New South Wales. You'll find franchises everywhere and we love them. They've been backing the podcast since day one, Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions. That is episode 43. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time on the Our House Podcast.